You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another dejected episode of the Assembly Call as your Indiana Hoosiers just laid a complete egg at home, losing to the Fort Wayne Mastodons for the second season in a row, 92-72. to We talked about on the postgame show after the IU-Notre Dame game, you know, the, the chances of a potential letdown with this game coming just 48 hours later. But I think even in our worst nightmares and, and the worst possible scenario that we could draw up, I don't think we could have envisioned basically a reprisal of the Indiana State game, but a lot worse <laughs> because this wasn't the first game for a new coach. This team has had time to play together and get used to the new system. And so all of the excuses that we could use after the Indiana State game you don't really have in this game, not to mention you lost to this team last year, so you shouldn't have taken them lightly and played without a lot of energy, but that's exactly what we saw tonight, and it was one of the more disappointing performances by an IU team that I can remember, and especially coming on the heels of what was such an impressive performance on Saturday, a team that showed so much fight and so much grit. Basically, none of that was there tonight. And we are going to break it all down for you here on this episode of The Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms. Ryan Phillips is not here, but surely you can find him on Twitter somewhere saying, I told you so about the letdown, because he certainly was adamant that he thought uh, that it was a likelihood, and it definitely was. But before we start breaking down all the negative elements of tonight's game, and there were many, let's start the show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And certainly some games are a lot easier to find banner moments than others, and I was definitely stressing coming down the stretch for this one, trying to figure out what to say. Do we cancel the banner moment? Do I really, really stretch to find something? Well, then Zach McRoberts drained a three with 50.2 seconds left. It cut the lead to 18. Uh, and I'm going with that as my banner moment. Number one, because it gives me a chance to talk about Zach McRoberts, who I thought at least went out there and played with the usual effort that you expect from Zach McRoberts. Unfortunately, a lot of his teammates didn't follow suit, but he at least brought the effort and the grit and the energy. Uh, but unfortunately, he was also infected with some of the poor turnovers and some of the poor decision making that his teammates had. But on the bright side, Zach scored nine points tonight. And I think him making that three-pointer and the little you know, mid-range jump shot that he made, I do think those are important developments because I think as this game showed and certainly as the Notre Dame game showed, he's a guy who's going to be playing minutes because, look, when you have two performances like what we just saw back-to-back -back against Notre Dame and here against Fort Wayne, it's really hard to know what to count on. And there's not a lot from game to game that Archie can count on. Obviously, you're getting production from Juwan Morgan, but Zach McRoberts, his energy and effort is one of the few things that can be counted on. But the problem is he is so limited offensively and really hurts the team in that way. 
But for him to come in tonight, be able to score nine points, make that three, hopefully that builds some confidence. And hopefully now that's on tape and maybe maybe future opponents have to respect that a little bit. So there were not many positives from this game, but I thought that was the one thing I take from it uh, that hopefully can kind of help this team moving forward as they look to pick up the pieces from this loss and uh, and try to get some positive momentum going in this season again. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And if you want to know why, you should check out their website, HoosierProud.com. Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, uh, they have great designs. So they have officially licensed IU gear. They have the designs that they're known for, that they kind of made a splash for when they first came out, uh, inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. And they also have our Assembly Call logo t-shirts there as well. And I was on HoosierProud.com earlier today, uh, picking up Christmas gifts for members of our team and kind of friends of the show. Uh, bought some shirts, bought a coffee mug. So they've got a lot of really cool things there. And the checkout process is really, really simple. Um, so that's, I guess, a fourth reason, because I still have two more reasons to talk about. Uh, number two is their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the third reason to go to HoosierProud.com is their generosity. Because you are an Assembly Call listener, they will give you 15% off your entire order. Just use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off your entire order. A great option if you're looking for Christmas gifts here last minute. Go to HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, uh, which tonight is one man. He's a world-renowned bracketologist, the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, although it'll be interesting to see how the fan club is feeling after tonight's performance from Robert Johnson. Uh, he is Andy Bottoms. His Bottoms line is brought to us by iustore.shop. Andy, your Bottoms line on tonight's Indiana loss. I mean, just take any any of your biggest fears about things that could go wrong for this team and then amplify them by about 50 or or 100 times what, what you'd think they would be. You want you want turnovers? I'll give you turnovers. You got 18 turnovers that led to 29 points. You want giving up wide-open three-point shots? Okay, well, let's see. I, I'll see that and raise you 17 for 30, three-point shooting for the game, 10 of 17 in the, in the second half, and that was with missing some down the stretch for uh, for Fort Wayne. You want poor three-point shooting from IU and getting sucked into a game that they didn't they had no business trying to play and, and out shooting them. Four of twenty-four for three for the game, including one of thirteen in the second half. That McRoberts three-pointer uh was uh I think that moved IU up to one for twelve uh in the half. I mean, it was just everything that this team that that scares you about this team, everything that is a flaw for this team just amplified. And it was amplified by the way they played, it was amplified by what seemed to be just a lack of caring at times uh, by some of these guys who would just repeatedly turn the ball over. And it was just so many old habits right back on display. And for the, you know, huge step forward that the Notre Dame game felt like this feels like an even bigger step back. Um, and I think it ultimately reinforces the the flaws of this roster uh, and this team. And, and I don't, you know, I think people on Twitter were saying, Oh, if this was Tom Crean, people would be blaming him. I think, Certainly, Archie deserves some blame, uh, you know, for this scenario. You, you, uh, you know, these guys did not. Uh, the first few minutes, I actually thought they played fairly well, and then after that, it was it was all downhill from there, and it was really just hanging on. Uh, you know, even to be up one at the half felt like a, a positive with Morgan having sat most of the first half and uh, not really getting to play. And so you kind of felt like, oh, maybe they would be able to come out and do something in the second half where they had, you know, kind of shaken some of the rust off and some of those kinds of things. And it was the exact opposite. They just 
continued to let Fort Wayne get wide open three pointers. And for a team that hadn't shot them very well coming into the season, it's really easy to gain confidence when no one is guarding you and you're getting multiple uncontested looks. And that was, you know, like you said, it was Indiana state, but worse. Uh, and I'm not sure that you felt like it could have been worse, but it was, it was a carbon copy of that game. It felt like where, um, you know, inability to, you know, kind of pick and pop situations, be able to recover to shooters and just wide open shot after wide open shot. And, uh, it was a uh, extremely disappointing performance. I mean, I know we'll get into the particulars. I know you mentioned Robert Johnson. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. I thought he started the game well and then disappeared for about 30 minutes. Um, and and I don't think he was alone. It, it felt like one of those games where, uh, under other circumstances, you would say yank everybody out and just play. You know, you know, sit these guys, bench these guys, and then you got to the fact of like, well, that means I actually have to play someone, and I'm not really sure who that would have been in this game. Yeah. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's 92 to 72 loss to Fort Wayne. And you know, a couple things. The the what I was gonna say for the banner moment before Zach McRoberts hit that three is the banner moment is that the Fort Wayne series is over. We don't have to play them anymore <laughs> because I mean, these last two seasons. I mean, talk about just being able to. Uh, to just kill momentum in your season. I mean, Indiana number three last year, Fort Wayne uh, wins, at least Indiana, you know, took that game to overtime and tonight just an absolute shellacking. So good riddance, Fort Wayne, uh, but also congratulations to Fort Wayne because those guys have really come out. They played their game plan tonight and they were much more confident in what they were doing. They were much more connected as a team. They played harder and they deserve to win this game. I mean, there's no question about it. I think you can certainly say, okay, you know, they shot better than they have. They were 17 of 30 from downtown. All right, fine. And maybe if they don't just shoot lights out, they only win by 10. But either way, they came in and whooped Indiana's butt at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it takes two to do that. It takes Indiana to not play well. Indiana certainly did that. But it also takes Fort Wayne to take advantage of it. And, you know, guys like Case and Harrell, Bryson Scott, John Conchar, uh, you know, Conchar only had 16 points, but I thought the threes that he hit in the second half were just daggers and just kind of you know made it so indiana didn't have any life because shoot indiana was up 40 to 36 in the second half early in the half and then fort wayne just systematically just took indiana apart they won every sequence in the second half uh every four minute sequence seven to five 18 to nine 11 to six 10 to seven 10 to eight and again, you know, for an Indiana team that prides itself on that grit and that toughness and that we saw in the Notre Dame game, you know, that was what was so impressive about that comeback is that every time Notre Dame pushed it to, you know, to nine or pushed it out to 14, Indiana would come charging right back. And there was none of that tonight in the second half. It was just Fort Wayne putting pressure on Indiana, making shots, and you're kind of waiting for Indiana to respond. And it just never happens. And, and there were moments, and you know, we'll get to some of these in the meaningful moments that you might have missed, but you know, moments where it looked like Indiana had a chance to kind of get some momentum, and then they would shoot themselves in the foot with a turnover, not hustle after a loose ball, and it was just one thing after another. So, uh, you know, so many things that we need to break down tonight. But Andy, let's talk about Robert Johnson because you know, I thought early in the game, you know, Fort Wayne goes on that 9-2 run, they take that 11-8 lead. Uh, and really, Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis were struggling a bit early. Archie takes them out, and we've got that weird lineup in there where it's Robert Johnson, Devontae Green, Colin Hartman, and McBob, McRoberts, and McSwain, the lineup that 
you know, we've talked about a lot that I, I just I can't stand that lineup because of how limited those guys are offensively. And Robert puts the team on his back, scores eight straight points. It might have been 10 straight points. And I thought probably some of the most confident looking shots that he took all year. And I'm thinking, OK, here we go. Robert's back. We're going to get on a roll. Things are going to be good. And then it all went downhill. And for the second straight game, he turns the ball over six times. So it's great that his shot seemed to be back a little bit, although he lost it again in the second half and just finished two for seven. But 12 turnovers in the last 80 minutes of basketball for Robert Johnson. I mean, I just, I, you know, we've we've been in his corner. We continue to be in his corner. Obviously, he's getting a lot of minutes because of what he's done on the defensive end and how hard he's working. But man, that just didn't, he did not seem like a player really locked in tonight with some of the decisions he was making, especially with his ball handling and his passing. Yeah, I mean, he, he had 13 points. Uh, I'm not sure at what point it was. I mean, he had 10 points probably six, eight minutes into the game and, you know, finished with 17. Uh, he just disappeared in stretches. He got those four in the second half at the end when nothing really mattered uh, at, at that point. Yeah, just, I mean, he's just completely careless with the basketball and really even seemed defensively where, you know, I think he'd gotten a lot of credit. I mean, he was... Uh, you know, on the receiving end of a number of those wide open threes where he just wasn't getting out to shooters and, um, you know, just stretches where I thought he and, and Newkirk as senior guards were just kind of out there, but not really, not really contributing anything. And um, I, I think Archie struggled to find guys who, who would give him something because Devante was, uh, you know, up and down at times. Al struggled a little bit. Newkirk wasn't playing well. Um, you kind of got to a point where I don't know who you were going to play at the guard position, but yeah, I thought, I thought Robert Johnson really just disappeared at that point where get, like you said, he kind of put the team on his back there, went on a personal eight Oh run, um, to really kind of break him out of the, you know, they played well in the first couple of minutes, had a, had a rough stretch. His eight Oh run really, um, got the momentum back for them. And then like, I mean, he just, he just disappeared. And, and so many of the turnovers are just completely careless of of not paying attention to a guy coming up behind him of uh and, and he took a number of shots some runners that were you know were essentially turnovers so he probably would have had closer to 10 turnovers if you count some of those i mean that stretch that you mentioned where it was 40 to 36 in the second half he took a really kind of wild runner that led to a, a run out nobody was really back on defense led to a run out for ipfw um and then Devonte came down through made a turnover that led to a layup and I think I you got the lead one more one more time from that point forward, and that was on the on the very next possession to Duran. And so, um, yeah, it was a it was a, a pretty poor performance. And I think everybody felt the same way about Robert after how well he played, uh, how well he shot the ball in the second half against Notre Dame. And seeing him come out that way, I agree with you that he seemed really confident. But uh, I think like so many of the guys, he just got sped up so much in the first half by the way that Fort Wayne wanted to play. Uh, and these guys, you know, it was very much like the way they were playing last year. They just got so fast and um, got going too quick and turned the ball over. Newkirk fell into that in the first half where made a couple of nice moves, couldn't finish. He's just going too fast. And, um, you know, they got sucked into everything that, that Fort Wayne wanted to do in the game, including the shots that they wanted IU to take. Because, um, you know, again, we can look at this game and say, you know, two-point shooting percentage for IU is pretty darn good in both halves. But, you know, you shot 11 of your 33 first-half shots from three-point range, and you shot 13 of your 35 second-half shots from three-point range, and you made four uh, for the game. It, it's, you know, this team can get hot at times, but it's not going to be how they win games, and they have to learn that because they, you know, fell into that habit and got into a shooting contest with a team that 
you know, was hot and they were hot because they were giving them wide open looks. And and IU's not going to beat people in shooting contests this year. They're just not. Yeah. And and look, this is going to be an issue that we're going to have to deal with all year. I mean, like you said, and like Kyle mentioned in our chat, you know, you only got four guards. Someone has to play. And, you know, Robert has been maddeningly inconsistent. We know that Josh Newkirk is maddeningly inconsistent. Devontae Green is maddeningly inconsistent. And Al Durham is a freshman. And so he's going to be inconsistent and he's limited with what he can give you offensively. So, look, we'd love to give some of these minutes to Rob Finnessy and Demise Anderson and Justin Hunter, but, you know, or Jerome Hunter, but they're not on the roster yet. So somebody has to play guard and you've got to win these games that are coming up. And so, you know, we'll get into this and we'll talk about, you know, how much responsibility does Archie have for a game like this? And obviously he's got some, but also I don't know exactly what he can do with the guard rotation. I mean, he's got to be able to rely on Robert Johnson and Robert Johnson as a senior has to be better than this. You know, it's not Archie's fault that Robert Johnson comes out and turns it over six times, two straight games. It's not. Robert was here for the Fort Wayne game last year. You know, if anybody should be focused, it should be him as a senior. So that kind of stuff from an upperclassman like that is just unacceptable. And it's absolutely no surprise that the entire team struggled with turnovers on a night when your senior leader had four more turnovers than anybody else. I mean, he's a guy who sets the tone. And tonight, you know, he just didn't set a very good tone. And I just... I don't know what else Archie could do in that situation. And, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of the struggles Indiana had were guard driven tonight. And I just don't know where else he could have turned. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, some of the postgame quotes are coming out now. There was one that Mike Miller just tweeted out. Um, Archie said, I thought we played selfishly offensively. It got contagious. I mean, I think that sums it up pretty well. I mean, those... You know, it was, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go match this guy shot for shot instead of really getting the ball to the guys who needed to score in the positions where they could, uh, where they could score. And I think some of that, in some ways, Robert making all those shots at the beginning, I don't know if that was, um, you know, a bad thing for him because he took a couple, I don't know if I, they're probably not quite heat check variety, but he took a couple, you know, threes that weren't really the, the same kinds of ones that he hit early in the game. Uh, and really, I think kind of got, let himself get get pulled into those kinds of things and then in the second half once once Fort Wayne started you know draining threes it, it just seemed like IU thought that they were going to shoot their way back into the game and just it wasn't happening I mean the best thing they had going for them was the fact that they had gotten Fort Wayne in foul trouble and they they really didn't take full advantage of that not the not reasons you know not not to mention the fact they couldn't make free throws very well again either All right, coming up on the assembly call, I'm going to point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. We'll go inside the numbers also. Uh, That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show.
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's dumbfounding 92 to 72 loss to Fort Wayne tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Andy, let's talk about uh, some meaningful moments that folks might have missed. And I'm pretty sure one of these you're you're going to agree with and maybe want to talk about yourself um, because I saw you mention it on Twitter as well. Um, but you know, you think back and, and, you know, the last eight minutes of the game, it felt so helpless. It just kind of felt like playing out the string because Fort Wayne, you know, had essentially uh, put the game away, but there were some opportunities in the second half for Indiana to get back into it. You know, and, and we mentioned Indiana led 40 to 36 at one point, then they just had a flurry of turnovers, you know, Fort Wayne makes a bunch of shots and all of a sudden you look up and it's 53 to 44. And it's like, what just happened? You know, but still at that point, you know, now you just got to kind of grit it out. Okay, let's get back into this game and, and kind of get going. And it looked like they might. You know, it's 53-44. Juwan Morgan got it down low. He missed it. He grabbed the offensive board. He got fouled. You know, he kind of slams the ball down. You see Josh McRoberts yelling, let's go. And I kind of felt at that point, all right, here we go. You know, we're going to get this thing back. Uh, Fort Wayne went on to then miss a three. Uh, Newkirk then found Morgan inside. And so it's 53-48. And so you've taken a punch from Fort Wayne. You've got it back to five. And you're thinking, here we go. And then what happens after that? Fort Wayne goes down, drains a three, right? And then I think, then they made another bucket. It's 58-51. Uh, Juwan missed the front end of a one and one. And then Conchar makes a three. And all of a sudden, it's 61-51. to So you got it to five. But then you couldn't get a stop. You couldn't get another bucket, and it's 61-51. And then a couple possessions after that, Robert Johnson made one of his terrible passes. It was an entry pass to Jawan Morgan that might have been the worst entry pass and the laziest entry pass I've ever seen. Fort Wayne takes it the other way for one of their many points off turnovers, and all of a sudden it's 67-53. Then they make another three, and it's 70-53. to All right, so here again, now they've opened up a 17-point lead, but Indiana battled back a little bit, and they got it to 70-57, to and you, you kind of felt like, okay, now maybe there's a last gasp here that Indiana can have. And then, Andy, you'll remember this play. Weir drives in, misses a tough shot. We have three guys around the ball. I know Juwan was there. I know Duran was there. I think Devontae was the other guy. I think uh, Newkirk was the other guy, actually. Or maybe, yeah, maybe Newkirk. Morgan even gets his hands on the ball, but Weir ends up getting it scoring at 72-57, and then that was basically it. And then you're just kind of playing out the string. So... Uh, you know, I thought those stretches and those particular moments when it was 53 to 48 and then again when it was 70 to 57, if Indiana was going to make a comeback, that's where it needed to happen. And in the Notre Dame game, that's where Indiana was making plays and, and, and getting themselves back into it. Tonight, there just wasn't enough fight. There wasn't enough focus. And the opposition was ready to take advantage. And that was all she wrote. And it turned into a 20-point loss. Yeah, I mean, that, that play during that stretch, I mean, IU had started to get a little bit of momentum. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know that I that anybody felt super confident they would come back, but you really had a chance where you go down and you make another shot there. You've reeled off six in a row. Crowd starts to get into it, and you let the smallest guy on the floor outwork you for a rebound. And then, you know, compounding that was, like, he didn't score. Uh, he, you know, he pulled the ball back out. And then, you know, Devontae just let Scott just drive right by him for an easy layup, and nobody was able to step in. And, um you know, then Newkirk follows that up by taking a, a you know, bad three-pointer. I mean, any three-pointer in the second half was bad, I suppose. But, um, you know, it takes a bad three-pointer, and and it just snowballed from there. And, I mean, it felt like so many things, you know, that we saw last year where it wasn't, you know, one bad play. It wasn't one bad play, and then it was done. It was one bad play led to five more bad plays, and one defensive breakdown led to 
Fort Wayne scoring on, you know, six or seven straight possessions where even when I use offense got rolling a little bit and that kind of that first stretch you mentioned, they couldn't stop anybody. So it didn't actually do them any good. And they were trading twos for threes essentially at that point. So, um, yeah, just, just at no point, you know, could they, they play well enough defensively for long enough to really get over the hump. And I think that's where, when you look at how good a team like Notre Dame can be offensively and how well IU played against them, it it's just it's it's almost unfathomable how poorly they were uh, defensively tonight. But I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise because it's exactly how they played against against Indiana State. If you swapped jerseys, you wouldn't have known the difference between the games, other than the fact that it was a month later in the season. Yeah. So let's go inside the numbers, and the first number that I want to hit is Juwan Morgan, and this will give us an opportunity to talk a little bit about his game. Because this will go down in the books as a double-double for Jawan, you know, and it, the stats don't look terrible. I mean, he had 14 points, although he was 6 of 14 from the field, which is far, far less efficient than he usually is. And a big part of that is because he jacked up three threes, a couple of them late when everybody was just kind of jacking up threes when all hope and focus had been totally lost. But 14 points, he grabbed nine offensive rebounds, so really battled in there, had a couple of nice block shots, but also turned it over a couple times. Here's what I want to say about Juwan, and obviously I want to get your thoughts, Andy. I thought early in the game, he looked weird to me, and I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if he was hurt. I just, I don't think he looked like himself, um, and, you know, I'm a thousand miles away. I don't know, you know, what that is, and maybe, you know, if someone who was there, uh, if they had a, a similar thought, they can let me know, but I just, I didn't think he quite looked right, and then I thought, you know, kind of there at the end of the game, he really padded those rebound numbers, especially, uh, you know, probably when he shouldn't have even been in the game. I mean, if I had a kind of a beef with Archie and maybe, you know, he wanted those the, the, the top guys to have to stay out there and endure the embarrassment of playing out the string in this game. But I would have much preferred Juwan be off the floor because he's such an important part of this team and so prone to injury. Uh, so I didn't want to see him out there. And he ended up, you know, kind of getting a bunch of rebounds there at the end. Um, but while he had some flashes and, you know, there's a lot of guys that deserve more criticism than him. I just thought something looked off with him. And again, I don't know if he's, you know, nursing a little bit of an injury. We know, you know, he had to leave the floor in that Notre Dame game before he came back. But of course he scored like 18 points in the final, you know, nine minutes. So he certainly looked healthy, but something just didn't quite look right with him tonight. Um, and I guess maybe that's indicative of how something didn't look right for the whole team. Yeah. I mean, he did look just tired in spots and, and you know nothing ever really came out about whatever caused him to go to the locker room in the second half of that game and people talked about like a hamstring or something like that so i don't really know yeah there was one one time in the first half when he kind of made a weird movement or, or i feel like he grabbed at something but um yeah i mean i thought he started the game you know kind of like the team started the game really well and i think got a little bit out of the rhythm of things uh by having to sit out so long with, with foul trouble but even in the beginning of the second half you know i thought they they seem to come out really intent in those first few possessions on getting the ball to, to Juwan and Duran. Uh, and then that, you know, went by the wayside pretty quickly. Uh, I'd agree with you. Some of the rebounding numbers, I think probably the most frustrating part for me was the fact that he was doing a good job of getting to the line and he, you know, missed, you know, two or missed four of his six free throw attempts, which, um, you know, even the team got to the line 19 times, only made 12. And, and that, and that suggests a focus issue, issue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was the part that really stood out to me for him. I think defensively, he seemed to be, uh, you know, had a couple of blocks. I think he was struggling to, uh, you know, IPFW plays a really small lineup or Fort Wayne, I guess, plays it, you know, plays a small lineup. And, um, but again, 
just just felt like and, and kind of the same thing with Duran and, and you know we keep talking about oh this isn't a good matchup this isn't a good matchup well at some point you know IU needs to take advantage of the fact that they have bigger players and and more skilled players it can't always be that IU has to adjust everybody else so that's kind of where I hesitate to even say with Juwan well it wasn't a great you know some of the matchups made him guard you know smaller players and and guard on the perimeter more than he had been um I just thought there were a lot of missed opportunities to kind of take advantage of the of what advantage IU did have the two-point shooting reflects that but um they just didn't shoot enough um quite honestly and the you know the breakdown of shots is just not where this team the way it shoots the ball needs to needs to break out where they're shooting you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 20-point loss to Fort Wayne. Uh, right now, we're going inside the numbers. So, you know, look, obviously, you look at some of the numbers. The turnovers is the biggest story. Indiana turns it over on 24.5% of possessions, 18 total, uh, led by Robert Johnson, six. And one of the, the points off turnovers ended up being a 29-7 to advantage for Fort Wayne. So in a game that Fort Wayne won by 20, they won points off turnovers by 22. I mean, you know, sometimes it's not that simple, but in this game, it was kind of that simple because a lot of the three pointers that they got, you know, were off of broken plays or off of, you know, live ball turnovers that they were able to get and then get out in transition and get open looks. Uh, and then, you know, it just compounded itself because now Indiana's getting down. This is not a team that is built to play from behind with that kind of a, a deficit because it's not a good three-point shooting team. And then it is really hard, you know, to go inside to Duran and kind of have the patience that you need to have uh, to really take advantage of what you're doing from, from two-point field goal percentage. So, you know, all of those numbers just worked against Indiana. Uh, obviously, the other big one is that Fort Wayne shoots 56.7%, yet another team uh, that shoots lights out from three. And look, part of that is teams are getting hot against Indiana, and part of it is as Indiana struggles to learn this pack line defense, and we know that one of the weaknesses of it, and I guess one of the last things that comes, is that ability to close out on shooters and be able to, to do everything that you're trying to do in terms of packing it in and not giving up the easy looks down low, but then you've also got to be able to recover out to shooters. And that's something that Indiana has done a better job of in games like the Notre Dame game. When they're totally engaged, they're playing with great effort and energy, tonight they weren't that showed up in the numbers well i think you know what you saw them do a few times when the uh the big guy carl i think was his name hit hit those threes on the perimeter i mean they would basically put everybody else on one side of the floor uh you know have those guys over in a ball screen and then you know with the way that iu has been hedging on those he just slips over in the corner there's no way for anybody to rotate and help and every time whoever you know iu's big guy was that was guarding him you know, didn't get over to him. And, and, and the other part of that is I didn't really adjust to the way they were, you know, playing in those situations. They, they weren't switching those. They were, you know, continuing to try to do what they were doing, which was pretty effective against Notre Dame. And they, you know, did a better job of helping and recovering, but, you know, Fort Wayne kind of took that away based on, you know, where other players were, uh, were positioned. So I, you know, but again, you know, so many of the threes were just wide open. I mean, that, that accounted for a few of them. And I think most of the ones that, that Carl took were of that variety, but, um, but otherwise, I mean, there are plenty of open shots to go around. I mean, of the 30 that they took, I mean, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot where it seemed like they were, you know, closely guarded and, and hit one in somebody's face. I think the number of those is, is pretty small out of the 17 that they made. So, no, I actually think the three point defense was better against Indiana State than it was tonight. Cause I, I remember in, yeah. that, in that game, it felt like there were at least hands and faces on some of the shots. Tonight, guys yeah. are just standing wide open. And that's, 
that I mean, that's an effort and a focus thing. Obviously, there's some game planning stuff and the way that Fort Wayne plays, and they're going to get themselves some of those open looks. But part of that is guys just not communicating, being a step slow, a step slow physically and a step slow mentally. And it adds up to, you know, a lot of the fake hustle is, is uh, you know, Coach Tonsoni calls it, where guys are just kind of running past three-point shooters. You certainly saw a lot of that tonight, but that is not a closeout, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, you look at those 18 turnovers, but that's 13 steals for, for Fort Wayne. So those are, you know, live ball type turnovers that, you know, leads a lot to you're not resetting your defense or not anything. It's just all everybody's kind of scrambling in transition. And I, you really struggles to identify and, and pick up shooters in those scenarios and, and have for a while uh, on the season. So that was one. I mean, I, you had 20 offensive rebounds that only led to 19 second chance points. Um, that was another one that, that jumped out at me. And I mean, the assist numbers in total, you know, Fort Wayne, 19 assists on 31 makes and I, you had 10 assists on, on 28. Um, so yeah, the, the 10 assists to 18 turnover, uh, you know, numbers are not gonna, not gonna get it done for you too many nights. And so even on a night when IU, you know, got to the, got to the free throw line a decent amount, really got in the bonus pretty early, failed to take advantage of it. Um, couldn't really make free throws. And, and again, you shoot 55% on twos and yet you take 24 of your 68 shots from three-point range in a team that doesn't shoot the ball well, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, even in the second half, I think IU was 11 of, shot 50%, so even that wasn't as good, 11 of 22 um, on twos. And, you know, you're taking 13 three-pointers in that game, you're just in a three-point shooting contest, and that may, that allows things to snowball quickly because some of those shots were, were poor, they ricocheted out, and, you know, then it's another run out, which is just like a turnover at that point, and, um, I mean, I think if you if you throw in all the bad shots that that really were essentially turnovers that cost you those additional transition opportunities, you're probably looking at you know 25 um, that you, that you'd kind of chalk up in that column of things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, there's lots of other storylines to hit and break down. We need to talk about them. We got to talk about Deron Davis. Uh, we got to talk about some of the un- other individuals. And Andy, I think we need to just talk big picture about the roster and 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 just what we have here because i think you know we're probably gonna end up seeing more of the same this season to what we've seen over the last 80 80 minutes of basketball so let's talk about that too and more coming up here on the assembly call stick with us You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms trying to make sense of another Indiana beatdown at home to an in-state school that shoots lights out because Indiana allows them to shoot lights out. That's what we saw tonight in this Fort Wayne game, essentially a reprisal of the Indiana State game, but in so many ways, so much worse. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Duran, Andy, uh, and then you know let's pick up whatever, whatever other individuals that you want to talk about. But he, to me, is the other really interesting guy because you know I thought we really saw a guy kind of announce himself on the national stage against Duke, you know, against their powerful front run front line he scores 16 points and he's six of seven from the field he was strong he was tough inside and then you know he struggles against Michigan as everyone does he only scores four points but bounces back with decent efforts against Iowa and Louisville 13 points and 14 points in those games although his efficiency wasn't quite as good and then we play these two games against Notre Dame and Fort Wayne and he scores a total of nine points 
He's only four of nine from the field. And while I thought at times he rebounded better, especially on the defensive end than what we've seen. So that's at least a plus, you know, and he's had a few block shots. Otherwise, he's just really struggled to get going. And it hasn't really been about foul trouble. He's only had a total of three fouls in these two games. It's just felt like he's struggled to get himself involved. And when he has gotten it down low, and Coach Tonsoni has mentioned this a couple times on Twitter, mentioned in the chat, you know, he's double clutching on his shots. He's not going up strong like what we've seen. And I don't quite know what to attribute that to, except that maybe, you know, we talk about shooters slumps, and I guess maybe you don't think about a post guy going through slumps, but he just, he seems more tentative down low. He's not the assertive guy that we saw in that Duke game. And it's frustrating because obviously, you know, he can be put in mismatches on defense and that stinks and that limits, you know, sometimes, you know, how much he can play, especially when you want to go with the defensive lineup. But like you said, why are we not on the other end turning it into an advantage? Because he's so skilled. You know, that was part of this team's identity as recently as a few weeks ago. And now it really doesn't feel like it is anymore. And granted, you know, maybe part of that is the emergence of Juwan Morgan and the focus on getting him going down low. But this team has to ride both of those guys. It can't just be one of them. And so I think this has been a really concerning 80 minutes uh, for Duran, for him not to get going in either one of these games. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't quite know how to explain it. I just know that it's got to get better moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it It feels like one of those things where you could sit every game and, and make an excuse and say, well, this wasn't a good matchup. I mean, talked about that with Michigan, and Ryan talked about that on the, the postgame after the Notre Dame game. Could probably make the same more. I think Seth Davis was among the many nonsensical things that he was saying, you know, was saying the same thing about you about it tonight. I mean, at some point though, you have to be able to, to it, it, it's ultimately a mismatch on the other side. And um, if, if IU and, and Davis aren't able to put themselves in a position to take advantage of that, then um, you know, that becomes pretty unfortunate at that point because, you know, a lot was, you know, kind of put on his plate at the beginning of the season and it feels like too many games they're having to turn in a different direction to be able to try to, to get offense and, and, and to be able to try to figure out how to be able, how to play defensively um, with him on the court. And so uh, it, it is a struggle. It is a concern. You know, we, we've talked about how well some of those lineups with Morgan and, and Hartman, you know, have played together at various times. And I agree that that's good that IU has that flexibility, but um, they're really relying a lot on, on Deron Davis far too much for him to, and again, they really didn't get into foul trouble, which had been, you know, kind of the issue in the past. You know, he had one foul in this game, and and they couldn't keep him on the floor, or didn't want to keep him on the floor for one reason or another. And I would agree with you that that is, uh, it is kind of a growing concern at that point. Um, you know, but they go in stretches where you can tell they come out of either a timeout, uh, or in this case, kind of out of halftime, really tried to work on, um, you know, on getting him the ball, and then kind of just go completely away from it in other stretches. There's just not that consistency with with trying to get him involved and I think that's on everybody I don't think that's you know just on the guards I don't think it's just on him but uh at some point you have to be able to use that to your advantage it can't be every game well this just didn't work out so we couldn't play him um that that, that can't be the refrain he he has too much potential to be good to um to, to kind of talk yourself into a reason that you can't play him every game yeah you know, other individuals that stood out, Devontae Green was not good, but he was probably the best guard overall for Indiana. I mean, he had nine points. He did have four assists, made some things happen with some steals and some blocks. Obviously, you know, had some really poor shots uh, in terms of his shot selection and was only two for nine. So that certainly reflects that. Uh, had a couple of turnovers. 
like almost everybody did. Colin Hartman had four points, did have 12 rebounds. So, you know, he and Juwan Morgan uh, really, you know, they did a lot of work, especially on the offensive glass. Although the problem is, as you mentioned before, Indiana not able to turn those offensive rebounds into points. And that what hurt from Hartman is he was 0 for 3 from downtown. And, you know, again, on this roster, he has got to be a guy who comes in and makes outside shots. Uh, this team just doesn't have enough guys who can shoot. And that's something they have to be able to rely on him for. And so, you know, for him to go 0 for 3, uh, that's obviously disappointing. And then, you know, we are, are now seeing the continued regression of Indiana's freshmen, Al Durham and Justin Smith, two guys who played such a huge role early in the season and really looked like they would be big parts of the rotation. Their minutes are getting squeezed more and more. Al only plays 13 minutes tonight. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he was one of the few guys who didn't have a turnover. He just... Right now, he's not bringing a lot to the table. He's not taking a lot off because he's not turning the ball over, but I thought he struggled defensively, uh, You know, isn't able to do a ton offensively, had no assists, and I think for a guy that you're looking to be a primary ball handler when he's on the court, he is not comfortable enough yet and or adept yet at the college level to create opportunities for his teammates, and he's not a good enough shooter on his own to score points for himself. So, you know, I think he's now struggling to kind of find minutes and find where he fits. And Justin Smith got in there and, you know, he only had one turnover. He could have had two because I think the first possession he got the ball, he got it up at the top of the key, you know, took, you know, a quick dribble and dribbled it off his foot. Uh, so he kind of struggled to get going. So, uh, you know, any comments on uh, on those other guys before we move to some kind of bigger picture talk? Yeah, I mean, I think they're both just going through a little bit of the same thing where where they got off to a good start. Things, I don't know, maybe saying it came easy to them in the beginning is is overstating it, but I think they saw success early. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Uh, and now some of that, you know, they're struggling and some of that doubt is starting to creep in a little bit where, um, you know, just kind of feel like they're overthinking things out there that the, you know, kind of making the simple play, which is what I think Al did a really good job of doing initially when he was – you know, not turning the ball over and, and really even defensively making, you know, not closing out out of control, just trying to, you know, kind of keep his man in front of him. I thought, you know, kind of making the simple play was one of the things that he really excelled at. And now you can, you know, it feels like you can kind of see him thinking through that. And then, you know, with, with Justin, you know, clearly is, is losing a little, some minutes because Hartman has come back. And I don't know if that's turned into a scenario where, Hey, if I don't go out here and really try to do something, I'm, I don't know how long I've got that, you know, that's, you know, the rope is a lot longer for Al because what we talked about before with there not being a lot of guards on the roster, it's not necessarily the case with Justin. And I think, you know, Mike Roberts playing more minutes has impacted both those guys because he's a little bit of a, you know, a swing player um, that, that you can play at that, you know, kind of three position. Um, so that may be a, a bit of a factor as well. But yeah, the, it's definitely been a struggle. I think we haven't seen Al be able to, you know, kind of get to the rims easily. That's something he was doing really well was getting to the rim and being able to finish. Um, you haven't seen much of that from him. I think people are, uh, you know, kind of backing off of him a little bit, trying to make him, uh, you know, make shots and, uh, and go at him that way. So uh, I think they're both just kind of working through their first, you know, prolonged um, struggles in, in college and, and trying to figure out how to make that work. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can work through it. I think, like I said, I think Al's got a, a better chance to do that simply because the minutes are going to be there. Um, and, and how the seniors have really played, you, you know, you can see an opportunity there to continue to get minutes and that won't necessarily go away. I think it's a little bit harder the, as the front court gets a little more crowded and, uh, you know, Juwan continues to play really well. So, uh, need to get those guys out of it. Cause it really is getting to a point where you, you 
you know, you're getting things off the bench um, in the form of, you know, McRoberts and, and Hartman and Green to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I wonder how far off you are of, of one or more of those guys working their way into the starting lineup. And then what does that leave you on the bench? Yeah. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's 92 to 72 loss to Fort Wayne. So let's talk about Archie Miller because, you know, you lose a game like this by 20 points. Certainly the coach is not absolved from blame. But I wonder, where do we put the blame on Archie Miller? Because, look, I think we all know that this is a flawed roster. And for as well as Indiana shot in the second half against Notre Dame, I think Indiana made seven of their last 11 three-pointers. And that was such a huge part of winning that game. Obviously, Jawan Morgan's play was tremendous. But Indiana finally shooting a high percentage from three-point range is what allowed them to get back into that game. Tonight, we reverted back to you know our worst shooting, going four for 24. Uh, and, and so, you know, we know that there are limitations on this roster and we know that we have some guys that have proven themselves in the past to be, you know, not mentally strong, to be guys who are up one game, down another, you know, can play with passion and energy when the lights are on and it's a big game, but maybe not bring that same focus and energy in a game like tonight. Uh, and those are veterans and you know, a coach in his first year, how much can you really expect him to kind of be able to get through to those guys and, and, and get them going. And, you know, and then you look at how this game went and, you know, are, are there decisions in there he could have made, you know, and, and certainly when you listen to what he said in the post-game press conference after Notre Dame, he was ready to look ahead to Fort Wayne. You know, he, I think, understood that Fort Wayne won this game last year. He understood how hard it was going to be to come back 48 hours later. I have to assume he got that message across. And so I think the coach always has the ultimate responsibility. And so I do want to lay some blame at Archie Miller for this. But in terms of like how to quantify it or how much or what specifically, I, I don't really know how to describe it because every time I think about what frustrates me most and who I really think is at fault in this game, I come back to the players in this one. I really do. Um, and I, you know, I just, I feel like this is a game, as you mentioned, where every flaw of the roster and every flaw of particular individuals came to a head in one game. And maybe where we saw in that Notre Dame game, what happens when, you know, you get a lot of guys playing well, even though some guys didn't play well in that game. Tonight you saw what happens when it all goes awry, and I don't know that there was anything specifically Archie could have done differently that would have changed the result. Am I being too easy on him? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, I mean, like I said, it felt like a game where you want to see somebody just go nuts and yank everybody off the floor, and then you, you turn and you look around and you say, well, who in the hell would you put in based on how guys had played? I think that's where... You know, maybe maybe is where he was, and I, I don't really know. I, I think that was, you know, I don't I don't really know. I mean, he tried to take timeouts. He he sat guys down. I thought he had a shorter rope with Robert Johnson tonight that he probably had at other points during the season when everybody's clamoring for him to come off the floor. I thought there were times that he got taken out right after making uh, a, a poor decision. He only played thirty one minutes tonight. That's the lowest I remember in a while for him. And and at some point, you know, I was looking through um, some different things on on Twitter. And I think Dave Novak um, he he pointed out, you know, IPFW or Fort Wayne had uh, you know fourteen of their seventeen threes came from three guys. So you mean to tell me you can't identify and and really you know focus in on those three guys? I mean, at some point, if you're a player, you know who's torching you at some point, and you continue to let those guys get open. So. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm cognizant of trying not to give Archie a complete pass on this because um, it was it was obviously an incredibly poor performance. Uh, and, and he certainly took some of the the blame for that after the game. It sounded like, you know, kind of talked about not having their attention in the way that, um, you know, he needed to or wanted to. But, man, it's just hard to it's hard to watch. Crimson Cast had a pretty good good series of tweets. One of them was this team has an inflated opinion of themselves. Can't be bothered to get up for the little games, but gives effort against the big boys. Aren't anywhere close to good enough to do that. Yep. Um, and and you point. listen to the, you know, you listen to the things that the guys on the team said. It's like, well, this, I think that is why I thought, while certainly there was the opportunity for a letdown, I thought that was mitigated to a certain extent by who they were playing. Um, because again, you know, this is what at times would would kind of frustrate frustrated me when when things started to kind of turn the corner under the Crean era, when guys on the team were were still there who had kind of gotten their brains beat in by by everybody for a couple of years and then would overlook you know a lesser opponent. Um, that would really frustrate me with those teams. I think one of the, the losses at Nebraska, you know, I was that was really yeah. frustrating at that point. It's like these are the kinds of teams who who just destroyed you. Like you were that team. And in this game, it's kind of like, you know, for those guys who who were part of that last year, who just got there, you know, who got beat in that game, how do you allow yourself to overlook the same team again? Um, you know, it felt like at times that, you know, because of Archie's comments after the game, you kind of mentioned that he realized what kind of game it was. Like, he wasn't even here. The guy who wasn't here shouldn't have a better understanding of the importance of not overlooking that than than a whole bunch of guys that were. And when you really look at the lineups that were out there when the game turned, um, as I tried to keep it, I mean, it was it was juniors and seniors on the court. I mean, there was one stretch where you got outscored by, you know, eight points. It went between substitutions. It went from 58-51 to 70-55. to 55, And you got three seniors and a junior out there. So at some point, having an experienced team apparently doesn't amount to a whole lot. If, if those are guys who are out there and the or being the gatekeepers at the time when you're just you know letting everybody go, so you know I think we'll probably end up. Some people will say we're not being hard enough on on Archie, but I do struggle to say. Look, you've got experienced guys out there who are on a team that lost to this team, who are also on this team that got blown out at home by another in-state school, and and they just rolled over. Um, it, it for the most part as they were there. I mean, there was a play toward the end. You know, Robert Johnson and and, and Hartman are there. Are back and they basically just let the guy drive right right between the two of them and get a layup. I, you know, I struggle to, I struggle to get too mad at Archie for that. Although you'd love to see what buttons he could push, I just don't know if I was in the same position. I, I honestly don't know what you would do short of like I'm just going to go play walk-ons and and see what happens there because otherwise you were at a real struggle to figure out somebody that was playing well for long enough to really go with and say, hey, I'm going to teach these guys a lesson by leaving guy X on the court. Um, because I don't know that you would have come up with five players that you would have put out there. Just let McRoberts play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My team's on the floor. It's Zach McRoberts. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that that's where we are here <laughs> in this Indiana basketball season. <laughs> seems, seems about right. Yeah, seems about right. All right. Uh, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we're going to hand out our game balls. That'll be fun. Uh, we will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, Tennessee Tech coming up on Thursday, and then we will deliver our final thoughts on this pretty just depressing loss to Fort Wayne. Uh, that is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 92-72 to loss to Fort Wayne tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And this is the point of the show where we hand out our game balls. And so, Andy, I will give you uh, the first option at the game balls. Not a whole lot to choose from tonight. Holy moly. Yeah, that's... uh. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of excellent choices. Uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll go with McRoberts. Quite honestly, um, you know, I think if you look back at guys who at, at who kind of kept up the same trajectory, I guess, from where they were in the Notre Dame game, I I'd argue he's probably the only one that did that. Uh, I think Juwan did to a certain extent. I mean, for me, it was either Juwan or or McRoberts. I know Robert Johnson led the team in scoring, but um, just was was disappeared for far too long in the turnovers. Uh, in a game when they needed somebody to step up and actually take care of the basketball, uh, were just too much. So I'll go with McRoberts. I mean, he was uh, he was efficient. Took you know nine points on four shots, made both free throws, which was something other guys on the team couldn't do. Did have a couple turnovers, but I thought you know at least from an effort standpoint, was making a lot of the same plays as um, as he was before. But you know the reality is that there are likely not going to be too many times when he's one of the guys getting the game ball that you're gonna you're gonna feel like the game had a positive outcome. Um, and again, yeah. you've got all these veteran guys who everybody kind of takes a night on and a night off at some point, as you guys kind of mentioned after the Notre Dame game or after the Notre Dame game, where hey, you did this in spite of not getting performances from these guys. Um, margin Frayer is still not large for a team that can't shoot the ball and and for tonight couldn't take care of it. And so you get yourself in a position where he's one of the, you know, among the leading scorers and really one of few choices for a guy who really played fairly well from start to finish. Um, that's not, there's not going to be too many great games to be, to be had when you're going to be talking about things like that afterwards. Yeah, I have a feeling that I'm going to end up giving mine to McRoberts, too, because I think Juwan Morgan is the obvious other choice because, again, he did have a double-double, and you look at that, you know, nine offensive rebounds, and it's like, well, hey, you were lauding Zach McRoberts for nine offensive rebounds in the Notre Dame game or whatever, or maybe it's seven offensive rebounds in the Notre Dame game. Shouldn't Juwan Morgan get that same praise? But a couple things. Number one, I think Juwan Morgan, look, you're you're the national player of the year. You're graded on a bit of a different curve now, and I don't think he lived up to the expectations that he has to have now as the go-to guy and the leader, because I just, I know what the numbers say. I didn't think he played all that well. And I think, you know, you look at the plus minus a flawed stat in a single game situation, but Indiana was minus 30 with him on the court. And that was by far the worst. And I don't think it was an accident. You know, I think his numbers were soft tonight outside of a few stretches where he had some nice moves down low. I thought defensively he was slow. I didn't think, you know, he had a lot of focus, which you can tell from the two for six from the line. So I don't think Jawan Morgan played well tonight. And I think it would actually be kind of an insult to him and how much he's grown as a player to give him a game ball for this performance, because I don't think he earned it. Uh, and I think he was part of the problem tonight, uh, not part of the solution. You know, Robert Johnson's the team le- team's leading scorer with 17 points, but he turned it over six times. And we've talked about how poorly he played. So, uh, you know, the, the other guy that you could look at is Freddie McSwain, who came in, didn't really put up much in terms of stats, had a rebound and a turnover, but he's the only guy on the night who actually had a positive plus minus. So when he was on the court, you know, at least Indiana was scoring. And again, part of that is because Robert Johnson went nuts shooting during that stretch when Freddie was in there. Uh, but at least he didn't do anything to blatantly contribute to losing. <laughs> so in limited minutes, but that's where we are tonight. Um, and so I'm going to agree with you. I'm, I'm going with Zach McRoberts. He was the guy that I mentioned in the banner moment. I think he's, you know, he's the, the guy tonight who, and I even think 
you know, Zach wasn't quite as on as he was against Notre Dame. You know, he had some uncharacteristic bad decisions. You know, he had a play. Uh, he drove in. He turned the ball over. And you could see he kind of like, you know, threw his hands up in the air. He was frustrated with himself and wasn't hustling back. And you could see Archie yelling at him to get back on defense. So even Zach kind of got caught up in the moment and got frustrated and wasn't quite as locked in and energetic as we've seen. It was just that kind of night. But for the most part, he was the one guy who kind of brought the energy and and, and brought the effort, uh, and he scored nine points, which was good to see. So hopefully that's a building block for him. Uh, but for everybody, and, you know, because I think there were some positives to take from the game for him on the offensive end. But for everybody else, I mean, I don't want to say that you just forget about this game because you need to try and learn some lessons from it. But my goodness, there really isn't a whole lot to build on uh, from this game moving forward. I mean, you've, you've got to play at a completely different level moving forward, uh, you know, when you start playing against Big Ten competition. And the thing is, Andy, you know, you look at the next couple games. I mean, Fort Wayne is obviously a unique matchup because they've got one of the Scott brothers. And whenever you're playing Bryson or Brenton Scott, you know, those guys are going to go off on you and play at like an all-American level and that, you know, these teams are going to play at much, much higher than, than what they played coming in because Fort Wayne was like 180th or something coming into the game, you know, not a real high-level team. But because of that and because of what they did last year and you know, you've got, you know, a, a talented guy like John Conchar who's on NBA radar screen. So, I mean, they've got some things where they can really take advantage of Indiana. Indiana's next two opponents, Tennessee Tech and Youngstown State, you know, this is kind of more of a lot of the opponents that we saw come through last year, uh, the last few years. You know, the Youngstown State, I think they're in the 300s. Tennessee Tech is in the uh, the 200s. So, you know, let's talk about these teams, Tennessee Tech in particular, you know, what they bring in and what we can really learn about this Indiana team. Um, obviously, one thing that we hope to learn is that they – play with much better focus and effort on Thursday. And I think that'll be big. As Archie talked about not having the guy's attention, does he have their attention for that Tennessee Tech game? Do they put forth a much better effort? Um, but otherwise, are, are either of these teams really going to be able to challenge uh, Indiana in the same way that a team like Fort Wayne was able to? Well, I mean, it's a little bit tough to <laughs> tough to answer that tonight um, after the way they played. I mean, you know, Tennessee Tech is 8-4. and four. A couple of those wins have come against non-Division one schools. Uh, they did win at New Mexico, who's not not all that good this year, um, and and really haven't, you know, the best team they played is TCU, and they got beat by 37 on the road. Um, otherwise, they haven't played a top 100 Ken Palm team as I kind of look down here now. So, um, you know, haven't fared particularly well from an experience standpoint. They're, according to the, however Pomeroy calculates it, they're the third most experienced team they've got. As you look down, the guys who use their possessions, it's almost all juniors and seniors. Um, although, as I talked about tonight, that maybe isn't always a good thing, I guess, dependent upon, uh, dependent upon how things go. Um, they come into the game uh, 227th in three-point shooting, so look for them to, to hit over 50% from there. Um, <laughs> that, should be, that should be great. Uh, oh, actually, no, that's not true. Oh, dear God, I looked at it wrong. I looked at the defense. They're actually ranked... Oh, uh, crap, they're good. They're actually ranked 75th in the nation in three-point shooting, so... Oh, boy. God help us all. Um, so that's going <laughs> to... That should go well. I mean, defensively, their efficiency numbers are are really ugly. Uh, have given up some some big two point shooting numbers. So hopefully, IU can you know kind of stick with that game plan of of pounding the ball inside, 
uh, have turned it over a lot offensively. So that's one, uh, you know, I mean, again, there's no circumstance under which this should be a close game, but, but given, uh, given how tonight's game went, uh, I don't think anything is, is a given And Youngstown state is, is pretty bad. They're currently 330th and, uh, in Ken Palm. So that's one that, that should be, um, you know, really the, the easiest, um, certainly the easiest remaining game on the, on the roster and one of the easier ones that was on the non-con schedule to begin with. So that one probably a little bit less to be concerned with um, than the Tennessee tech game. But, but at this point with how this team has allowed team other, uh, other teams to come in and get comfortable shooting the basketball with, you know, wide open looks for a team that uh, apparently has some, some three point firepower uh, that should give at least a little uneasiness. Again, not a game that I, you should lose by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, just when you start looking at how the stats line up, that's, you know, the biggest area for concern at this point. Yeah, and you know what? You're you're smart. Your more muted confidence than my uh, clear overconfidence, I think, is the smarter tack to take here. Because, I mean, Indiana's lost two games at home now to teams ranked 160th and 174th. And like you said, Tennessee Tech is an experienced team. They can make threes. And I just got done talking about how this team, it really seems like kind of a, a front-running team. You know, they, they get up for these big games, but for the games that aren't so big, they struggle. So hopefully we see much more of the Indiana that we saw against South Florida, Arkansas State, and Eastern Michigan, you know, where Indiana really against teams that they should beat, they did it. They won by 17, they won by 17, and then they won by 20. Hopefully we see more of that than the Indiana team that we saw against Indiana State, Howard, and Fort Wayne, where, you know, on balance over those 120 minutes, Indiana was basically awful. Um, So we'll see. So it's a, you know, I guess you lose a game like tonight, unfortunately, it kind of makes that game more interesting because now I think everybody's going to be really curious to see how Indiana bounces back, what kind of mentality do they have. Uh, but, I mean, I think based on what we've seen here in the early part of this season, it's just going to be a roller coaster ride. I saw another tweet Crimson Cast had that, you know, be prepared for this Indiana team to beat Michigan State and then lose to Illinois <laughs> this year. And, you know, I mean, based on what we've seen, that really wouldn't be all that shocking. Uh, and it just... It shows you, I think, the flaws of this roster, the the overall lack of maturity, uh, and just the disconnect between, especially the the upperclassmen who are here, guys who have played in one system, and now are really having to, uh, you know, to to learn a new one and get comfortable in it on a game in game out basis. And you know, when things are going well and shots are falling, it it looks okay, but. You know, I think you see games like tonight, and when you get tired and when things don't go well, you tend to revert back to some of those old habits. And we're only 12 games into this season, and clearly Indiana hasn't kicked a lot of those old bad habits that, you know, plagued the team last year and are plaguing them again this year when they don't play well. So you're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. Uh, one quick final reminder because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at hoosierproud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of our uh, or one of Hoosier Proud's uh, unique Indiana inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com, use the promo code assembly at checkout. That's hoosierproud.com, promo code assembly for 15% off your entire order. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, and we are finishing up our breakdown of Indiana's 92 to 72 loss to Fort Wayne, and that means it's time for last call. Andy, what kind of uh, final profound statements do you have after another horrid night of basketball at Simon Scott Assembly Hall? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just don't even. It, it was by any measure, it was a wildly disappointing performance from from really any way you can look at it from a just attention to detail from a 
maturity, from a leadership standpoint, all, all those kinds of things. I mean, just, just terrible, particularly in the second half. And I think, um, it, it probably is a good reality check for fans and, and players alike that for as good as everybody felt after that Notre Dame game, um, a good reminder of how far there still is to go and, and the kinds of challenges that this roster is going to have. Um, I think that's frustrating because everybody wants to see that glimmer. It's, it's no different than um, after the Duke game when everybody kind of felt good, even in a loss and they turned around and followed that up by playing really poorly uh, against Michigan and, for whatever reason, this team just lacks the ability to deal with success and really build upon that. And, you know, talking about how do you string together 40 minutes of good basketball um, and they continue to struggle to do that where they can play well in stretches, although the stretches were, were few and far between tonight. Um, but it's, uh, you know, th- there's no there's no way to sugarcoat how disappointing it was. And I think, um, you know, while while we talk about some of that probably does go on the on the coaching staff, I think it was really – um, this is the kind of thing that under the vast majority of circumstances, if you have a top tier program with this kind of experience on it, I, I struggle to believe that you would see that kind of performance too often um, from a program that has the level uh, of of maturity and leadership that everybody would want and everybody would expect. Um, but I think this is a good reality check of where this this team and this roster is. Um, right now, take whatever numbers you want aside. It was just a performance of of guys who were either worn down or whatever you want to say, but for for whatever reason, just did not did not come with the same intensity, did not come with the same fight that really led them to win the Notre Dame game and helped them overcome mistakes that they made. You know, everybody walked away from that game saying, you know, this was one that IU could have taken control of earlier, and they didn't. And they kind of won a little bit in spite of themselves, but they won in spite of themselves because they played so hard uh, and they continued to fight and, and really made things hard for for the other team to score and got their confidence from how they were playing defensively. Um, and some of those shots did start to fall, as you said, toward the end of the game. I thought tonight was was really the opposite. They they kind of waited for good things to happen instead of manufacturing their own good luck and or whatever you want to call it. And then in the end, just gave up open shot after open shot uh, and instead of, you know, gaining confidence for themselves by playing well defensively. They gave Fort Wayne all the confidence they could ever need by allowing them to just, you know, light up the scoreboard and, and get so many open looks and knock them down. And uh, you had guys who had hardly scored on the season for, for Fort Wayne, um, you know, shooting it well, shooting it with confidence because they, they knew that nobody was going to be there to really contest the shot. So um, just disappointing one that they'll need to put behind them quickly and see how they react. It, it feels a lot like a post game show from last year where we would go in like, well, it'd be interesting to see how they react. And um, that'll be the, you know, the best thing to take away and the roller coaster analogy and all that. And it's um, I think even for us, you feel like you're kind of past some of that stuff and you we're know, trying to psych ourselves up because we got to do a show and, after the next game. Lo and behold, lo and behold, here's where we are right back, right back where it feels like we started from. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about the the three P words, you know, uh, patience, perspective, and then hope for progress. And I think what was great about Saturday is we saw some progress and we've been seeing it. Well, now I think we've really got to focus on the patience and perspective part. Uh, and I think it's easy. You know, you win a game like that against Notre Dame. You feel like, OK, we're back. We're ready to roll. And, you know, obviously, Indiana got a big reality check here. Fans got a reality check. The coach got a reality check. The players got a reality check. Uh, but I think there's some members of the media who probably need a bit of a reality check too. And Pat Forty uh, among them, I saw this tweet. 
IU fans ripped Tom Crean all last year, but he sure didn't lose by 21 at home to Indiana State and to 20 to Fort Wayne. Just stunning. Uh, this is true. Tom Crean didn't lose those games uh, this year uh, because, or last year because he didn't play both of those games, but he might have lost them this year because this is the roster that Tom Crean brought back. This flawed roster that can't shoot consistently that has you know guys who have proven to be mentally weak uh, at worst i guess inconsistent at best if you want to just you know use the most charitable adjective that you could uh you know but those kind of tweets which you know seem to suggest maybe you know maybe coaching wasn't the problem uh really are just not taking a very clear-headed view of what's been going on with this program and the trends in the program and what Archie is now trying to reverse. And so, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, obviously, you know, Archie does deserve uh, some uh, some blame here. And for whatever reason, he didn't have the team's attention. And so, uh, you know, if he's got to, you know, build better relationships or, you know, figure out different ways to communicate or maybe it's just not going to happen this year. Maybe seniors who have played under a different coach and aren't going to be part of the future are going to have a hard time buying in game in, game out. It's easy to buy in when Duke is coming to Simon Scott Assembly Hall or when you're you know, playing in the Crossroads Classic on, on national TV against Notre Dame. It's a little bit harder to, you know, to grit those things out and do it the right way in a game like this. And so, you know, I, I just I think you lose a game like this, there's always going to be some really uh, extreme reaction. And I just, I don't think this is the time for it. I think we come on these post game shows to kind of get all this stuff out of our system, to get frustrated, to let it out. And I think that's all well and good, but you know, to start, you know, making a game like this, a referendum on the new coaching staff, that's silly. I mean, it, it really, it's silly in a lot of ways. It's just dumb. I mean, I think if you've watched this team play, you've seen the strides, you've seen the growth uh, you know, you've seen in Indiana's best moments, the imprint of Archie Miller. And I know I speak for myself and I think a lot of IU fans when I say that's the kind of basketball that we want to be watching. And I think a lot of us have confidence that as we move forward, even with this season, that we'll see it more consistently, not as much as we all want to. We know that, but we'll see it more consistently as then as Archie gets his own guys in and you start having freshmen who become sophomores under Archie Miller. Now you start to see that develop and you get it more consistently. But to expect it to be consistent after 12 games, I think that's probably unrealistic uh, uh, on anybody's part. And again, to make this a game like this, any kind of referendum on the new coaches or, you know, to go back and, and, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, make a comment like that about Tom Crane just really seems silly. And it uh, seems like a guy like Pat Forty, who's been around, should know better. Uh, but anyway, that's and I guess that's kind of my final thought as we move forward is we, we, you know, get excited about the progress and let's grasp onto those moments and let's really enjoy them and indulge in them, because I think there's going to be a lot of moments like that Notre Dame game in the future. But when we have moments like tonight, let's remember the patience and the perspective that we also have to have. Uh, and I think that will allow us to have a healthy mindset as we go through these games uh, and go through the season and continue moving forward in the Archie Miller era, uh, which I think most of us uh, agree is going to be a very fruitful one. There's just going to be a lot of bumps and hiccups as we get through this first season and probably some next year as well. Uh, but I still think despite a 20 point loss at home to Fort Wayne, I still feel like the program is on the right track. They just took a bit of a detour tonight and hopefully whatever lessons can be learned from it are learned uh, and we can move forward and be better for this game. It, 
you know, it was too much like the Indiana State game for me to really have confidence that that's the case with this group, but that's the hope that I'm going to hang on to, and hopefully we see some better play on Thursday night. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, go to assemblycall.com slash join. Join our free email newsletter. You will get our six-banner Sunday IU News Roundups during the season and into the offseason. And, of course, you will get our post-game analysis email sent the morning after every game. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Thursday night. Uh, that game, obviously, the post-game show for Tennessee Tech, that will also double as Assembly Call Radio for the week because we usually record that on Thursday nights. But we're just going to do it all in one this week. So we will talk to you Thursday night after Tennessee Tech. Hopefully it's a much more pleasant show than this one was. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet. Hitting the gym. Avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.